Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on gotodobbs.com today. The Danny Mac Show with BK Podcast, powered by I Promise. Now, here's Danny Mac with BK. Friday edition of the Danny Mac Show with BK, who's out at Centene. He'll be covering the Blues practice coming up. The Blues winners last night. They'll play tomorrow pregame at 5 on 101 ESPN. BK, good morning. How are you, buddy? Good morning, Dan. Why are you trying to get me in a fight before I even get on the radio? I don't understand. I I did not try to get you into a fight. That's, I'm just minding my own business, so driving out here to Centene, and I'm listening to the radio. I have my dial to 101, of course. And then as I'm w- getting ready to walk out of my car, I hear, hey, Randy, if you did a show with BK, do you think it would come to fisticuffs? Actually, I'm no, 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 like, no, 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 no. You're wrong about that. That was brought up by them, and then they said, who do you think would win? So I well, was brought into the answer is clearly it. Randy. <laughs> oh, you're, you're already conceding. Of course. <laughs> There's no contest. Now, would you, if you guys, I said, look, we got two great radio hosts. They're always well prepared. I said, they got their hot takes. They're ready to roll. <laughs> I said, okay, well, you know, what do you think would happen? And Randy said, yeah, there could be some issues there. Now, do you agree with that? So I don't. I think that when he says there could be some issues there, there would be disagreement for sure because we we have differing views on a lot of things. But that's fine. I got no issue disagreeing with somebody. The thing that I respect about Randy is that Randy brings to the table something where he is passionately behind that view because he is well-researched. And he has a reason to have that view. But so are you. Reasonable minds can disagree. But you're very well-researched as well. Sure, and so we can go back and forth, and I'm more than happy to have that conversation. Like, the Cardinals do things that I disagree with. They're well-researched. Like, they're not just willy-nilly making deals out here. John Mosaloc is very good at his job. Multiple people can have multiple different views on things. Dan, we had a differing view yesterday. That's okay. It it happens from time to time. I I enjoy that. That's that's what's fun about that. What do we disagree about? We had a slight disagreement on the uh, the Padres thing, and we talked it over, and we moved on, and life's good because of it. I think it's great for the sport. I think it's great that the Padres are able to keep him. I wish other teams would use that model to where Pittsburgh isn't flipping players every other year. Um, I would love to see Lindor still in Cleveland because Mm. it's great for their fan base, and it's a great fan base in Cleveland. So that part of it, yes, I agree with. $314 $314 million or 340 sure. or whatever it was after 143 games, I would have probably waited a year. Yeah, that's and that, all I'm that's, saying. Absolutely, and that's where we disagreed, and there, there's no issues with that. You're well-researched. You had you had a reason as to why you would have done that. Yes. I, I like I like doing it early, um, and that that's a just a differing view, and there ain't nothing wrong with that. That's what makes the world go round. Did you hear Mo on the air today? I did. I heard him with you guys. I heard his uh, presser with the media as well earlier today. I thought he was fantastic. I was fascinated by what Mo said when it came to two things. Uh, Well, multiple things other than this, but the two that really stood out to me were his thoughts on what he defines as success for the Cardinals and also whether or not he has time to actually in the moment appreciate some of the things that he's able to accomplish and how difficult that can be now in 2021 where everything is so about the immediate gratification yeah it it was interesting um 
because some people will say the only way that it's a successful season is to win a championship. And I understand that. I also look at it from a business point of view. And part of the business point of view is bringing people and interest down to the ballpark and generating revenue. That's the business side of it. So there's a couple of different ways to look at mm-hmm. it. Uh, also, there's been the highly successful view of finishing with a winning record every year. That's something that is of interest and having a chance to go into postseason play. So you keep the interest level up. Uh, I can see all the different viewpoints. I don't know if there's a right or a wrong. You know, if Al Davis was with with us, he'd say, just win, baby. There is no number two. And a lot of I've heard a lot of guys see that. Finishing second. I was just watching a thing with Dale Earnhardt the other day. He said, finishing second, I lost. He said, that sucks. I mean, it was great. And as a as a guy that enjoys sports, I was like, that's that's pretty good. I like it. You know, just win, baby. And that's what it comes down to. Just win. Yeah, I... I think it's about all of these different things, right? The it, ultimate it the ultimate success is of course coming home with the hardware. That that's what everybody is striving for, or at least what everybody should be striving for on a year in, year out basis. That's the goal. That's why all of us are doing this. We're covering the sports because we want to see those teams win a title. That being said, there's more to it than just that. What Mo said about having it be a workplace for him, something that he takes pride in is that people go to work every day and they enjoy working for the Cardinals. That's really meaningful. The culture that you're able to build within any organization, if you are in a management position, building a strong culture is one of the first things that you should take pride in doing. The other thing is it's about more than just the winning for the baseball side of things, even before you get to the business. It's about community, you know? It's about bringing a bunch of people that have differing interests, differing views on a multitude of things to one place where the common element between all of them is loving the game of baseball and having a team that they can cheer for. Every night during the summer, you and 40,000 of your closest friends go down to the ballpark, and that's meaningful as well. So it's all of these different things, not to get too, like, pie in the sky i I have kind of this romanticism with baseball kind of a thing but it's all of that all of that is what defines success i'm fine saying it It, it's okay to have that because to me that's part of what baseball is all about like you said there there is a civic responsibility that i'm sure that tom stillman feels bill dewitt feels and others feel about their business interest of whatever they do another any walk of life but when you're talking about sports there's a civic responsibility to those that support you to try to put the best product out on the field. That's the way I look at it. So part of that is winning. Part of that is bringing people to the ballpark. Part of that is being responsible business people, supporting the the various charities that are in your community, which they do wonderfully well. Both franchises do that well. Um, you know, I, I just look at that as, as the, the big picture of all this. By the way, the 314, uh, Danny Mac, BK, uh, second place is the loser. Okay. I, I, that's Hey, there are fans that are out there like, I, I get what you're saying, Danny Mac. That's cool. I just want to win. And sure. that's okay, too. I see both, of the, uh, both sides of that. While you're out there, and before we go to our first break, we got uh, Ted Simmons, by the way, coming up. I conducted an interview with Ted. I think fans would love to hear from the, uh, the future Major League Baseball Hall of Famer. I don't know if you can call him officially a Major League Baseball Hall of Famer until you're inducted, but we know he's going in. So I'm going to say it, Major League Baseball Hall of Famer. So you're going to hear from Ted Simmons. But want to get your thoughts very quickly on the Blues. You're out at Centene. They're going to practice today. I, I've been say, I'm harping on this. The schedule, this is the soft point in the schedule if you want to look at it that way. 
you're going to have a lot of games with Colorado, a lot of games with Vegas by the end. Last night was an important win. That was, I mean, they were, what, 30-some-odd seconds away from not getting anything, and they walk away with a couple points. That's a big win for the Blues. Absolutely. It was the opposite of what happened in that Coyotes game where they were winning the whole time, winning, 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 and then, boom, .7 seconds left. Coyotes get that goal. They win in the shootout, and the Blues lose the point. This was the opposite of that. The Blues were the better team for much of that game, second period notwithstanding. Much of the game, they were the better team on the ice, but it looked like they were going to go home with a loss. And coming off of that Coyote series, that would have been, I mean, a kind of an outsized importance in terms of the loss, especially with now it sounds like Barbashev. We'll see what's going on with his injury, but that's another potentially significant loss. Dan, this is a really important period for the Blues, as you said. You got San Jose again on Saturday, and this is really kind of that Carol, or that uh, California swing. You got two coming up against L.A., another one against San Jose, then Anaheim, L.A. again, San Jose. You've got to start racking up the points here because, as Joey Vitale told you earlier this morning, once you get down the stretch and you've got like 13 of the last 30, I believe it is, against Vegas and Colorado, that's where things could get a little dicey. So you need to rack up the wins here. The problem is you're trying to rack these up at your probably peak when it comes to the injury. So yes. it's, it's a lot of competing factors here, but the Blues have to find a way to come out on top. And regardless of how it looked at times, last night all that matters is that they were able to do exactly that. Think about it, BK. You got Pareko out, Thomas, Bozak, uh, who else am I forgetting? Tarasenko is out. And then you look at Jordan Bennington. He has been really good, I think, from the opening drop of the puck this season. Yeah, there's a, there's a few that he's going to say, I wish I had that back. Every goaltender says uh, says that. But for the most part, really good. 30 of 32 last night. He's now 8-3-2. and two. That was the eighth straight one-goal game for the Blues if you take away the empty netters. So in tight games, he's playing well. And if he plays well, even with the injuries in front, he's giving you a chance to win. Absolutely. He's been fantastic this season, Dan. And that's exactly what they needed out of him. They needed to find out. Much like what we have the conversations with the Cardinals, it's different because Bennington has proven more, of course, but they needed to learn big picture sense. Is this guy a legitimate number one franchise goaltender? Was he a flash in the pan? Was the bubble a sign of things to come? Well, the answer is he's clearly a number one goalie in the NHL. He's a guy that the Blues can build around. Jamie Rivers said this the other day, and it's absolutely true. The identity of the Blues is in part tied into Jordan Bennington right now. And so that his performance this season has been probably the single biggest development for them because they know now long-term we're building around that guy. That's somebody that's going to be here for not just 2021, but for years to come. Next segment, we're going to talk about Cardinal baseball, some news coming out of Jupiter. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. I'm Bo Zaylock and Mike Shield, both with Zoom calls with the media today down in Jupiter, just kind of giving everybody a state of the union and what's happening. And John Mozalock was asked about Andrew Kisner and maybe his immediate future. Is it in the minor leagues? Is it with the majors? Is it backup? Where is it right now? I mean, obviously, you know, creating that I-55 corridor where you're taking advantage of playing time is something that we're not opposed to. But the key is, is, is really going to be how things play out with what Yachty's schedule looks like, and then how do we backfill behind that? It's interesting. I said this morning, I'm going to put the over-under at 120 for Yachty to play this year, BK. 
I think a lot of people would take the over. And if Kisner is a part of the future that does potentially stunt his growth by just sitting on the bench as a backup, is he better off being in the minor leagues? I think it's a legitimate question. It's a fair question. I guess this the follow-up to that, Dan, and I know that Mo mentioned this earlier today with the media as well, is Yvonne Herrera. What What's the plan with him this year? I would imagine, and you can tell me if I'm wrong on this, I would think my assumption would be he starts at double-A and then works his way up to triple-A probably by the end of this season. Do you think that seems about right for his timeline? For sure, and I think a lot of it, BK, even though we do have an announcement of when minor leagues is going to start, will we get to minor league baseball? You know, does the season start on time? Do you have a full schedule? Now, if you do, that may change your thinking of what you're wanting to do with these guys in preparation. If not, you know, if it trickles down to where Kisner is going to go to AAA, and by all accounts, it looks like AAA will start on time because you have to have a feeder system if guys get hurt, that kind of thing at the major league level. If that would then block Herrera potentially getting time at AAA. That's something to think about. And I don't know the answer and I'm not sure major league baseball does, you know, they're saying, Hey, here's the schedules they are coming out. We're going to have it. And look, maybe that's the way it goes. And hopefully that is the case, but I don't want them sitting around. I want these guys playing. Um, And if Kisner's your best shot as a backup, then so be it. And it's interesting. I think what Mo said, we're going to have to talk to Yachty about his schedule I think just knowing Yachty a little bit, if he's healthy enough to play, he's going to want to play. And that means playing probably five out of seven, six out of seven every week. He played 42 of their 58 games last year. He played basically every time that he was possibly able to in 2019. We know how this goes. We've had this conversation, I think, for five years now here in St. Louis about, hey, you know, Yachty's getting up there in age. Maybe it's time to start. First, it was Carson Kelly. Maybe Carson Kelly deserves some opportunities. Then it became Andrew Kisner. Eventually, this is going to be a conversation with Yvonne Herrera. I I don't know what more we can say other than Yachty's going to play every day he can, and whoever is behind him is going to fit in where they can. So will Andrew Kisner play some in AAA this year? Yeah, I I would think the answer to that question is yes, because you need to get him some at-bats. You can't just have him sitting on the bench the way that he did for much of last season. You need to be able to also showcase him. Like if he is potentially a trade chip for the Cardinals as well, and who knows, maybe he's not, but if he is, well, other teams are going to want to see what this guy can do now too, because now you've had one year with almost no at-bats for Andrew Kisner, just not just for the Cardinals, but for any of the other 29 teams that might be interested in Kisner in 2022 or beyond. So I, I think he's definitely going to get some time down there. To me, it's a question of how much. And the Cardinals did bring in, as you know, BK, some uh, under-the-radar guys that have major league experience that could be a backup. So that's something to think about. And also, Mo was asked about what we're talking about here, balancing the playing time for Andrew Kisner. We have to to come to grips with, you know, know, Yachty has to understand where he's at in his own career and and balance that with us trying to create that that, um, really succession plan or pipeline of, of sort of the next person that's going to get that catching role. And so, you know, we certainly have um, somebody like Kiz, who I think when you look back to, to 2020, didn't get the opportunities that maybe we had envisioned. But now, again, we played a 58-game season, and so things um, um, didn't really play out the way we had hoped there. But as we look at 2021, I think we've got to be very cognizant of trying to find those at-bats, trying to find game experience, that is at the major league level for someone like his. 
Interesting. And that's what we're talking about, balancing, stunting the growth of a potential starter. And again, you made the right point, PK. We don't know inside those walls what the Cardinals think the timeline for Herrera. Is Kisner the guy? Does it happen next year? Injuries dictate things, too. You know, if Yachty gets hurt, Andrew Kisner's up, and he's probably playing every day. All those things are on the table, but as it's currently constructed, it's a fine line, and all organizations are dealing with this because of the shutdown last year. We don't want to stunt the growth of people that could help us now or in the future, and that's something they got to think about. Yeah, the Cardinals have answered those questions in the outfield. They're going to give their young guys opportunities. They decided not to do that at catcher, and I think sometimes, Dan, as much as we want to read into the words – that these organizations put out there, it's more important to read into the actions. The actions that the Cardinals gave you this offseason were, we want to find out what these young outfielders can do. They sent away Dexter Fowler. Despite the fact that there were a bunch of veteran options out there on the open market, they decided to stand pat with what they had in the outfield. The opposite was true at catcher. They had a 38-year-old catcher who we all love and adore and wanted back here in St. Louis. And the Cardinals decided to bring him back instead of giving the full-time opportunity to Andrew Kisner. And last year, you can read into it as well, even when Yachty was out, instead of going with Andrew Kisner as the everyday catcher, they decided to give Weeders, who had a broken toe at the time, more opportunities than Kisner. So I, I, I think at this point, I'm kind of almost done with the conversation of should Kisner get a bunch of opportunities? The number one catcher for this team is Yachty or Molina. And then whoever is behind him will start 30 or 40 games next year. I, um, you know, I got a lot of time on my hands sometimes <laughs> at night. And so I started going through what I think is the 26 man roster currently constructed. Oh, I love it. Okay. Okay. Are you ready for this? Let's do it. All right. My starting rotation is Flaherty, KK, Wayno, Michaelis, and Carlos Martinez. And I do that because of some, uh, some, uh, well, Mike Schill came out yesterday and talked about guys that could be swing guys. So, and you're going to hear that in a moment. In the bullpen, I've got three lefties. I've got Miller, Cabrera, Webb. Right-handed, I got Gant, Hicks, Reyes, Gallegos, Helsley, Daniel Ponce de Leon. So on the outside looking in, currently constructed, and again, this is really early, and this probably changes daily. I have got, uh, from the pitching side, outside looking in, Fernandez, Elledge, Oviedo, Rondon, Woodford, and Whitley. Whitley would be a tough one because he's got a chance to to really make hay, I think. So I'm going with just a four-man bench, if you notice that. That's a lot of pitching because I think yeah. they're going to have to cover a lot of innings. Carpenter from the left side, Kisner, my backup catcher, Lane Thomas, and Amundo Sosa. And then your starters are pretty easy. Molina, Goldie, Edmund, DeYoung, Arenado, O'Neal, Bader, Carlson. There you go. What do you think? I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, I I missed one of your bullpen guys. Wh- who were your right-handed relievers? Gant, Hicks, Helsley, Ponce, Reyes. Who am I missing there? Reyes, Gallegos, Helsley, Gallegos Ponce. Gallegos is yep. the last one. Yep. Yeah, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, the, the, the big decision that they're going to have, there's two of them. First of all, how many from the pin? And you're either probably going to have eight or nine there. It's going to be a roster crunch. And then the secondary question on top of that is, okay, if you take eight or nine, who's the guy that is missing the club going to start out the year in AAA that probably should be on a major league roster? We talked about this yesterday, Dan, and they they have so many options, which is a good thing. It's a great thing, in fact, that you're going to have guys that start the year in AAA that should be in most major league bullpens. And some of them, like you look at a guy like Whitley, he could be a high 
leverage situation yep. reliever for a lot of teams across the league. And for the Cardinals, he very well may start in AAA. And I think the way you have to look at this is... Oh, wait. Another one. Uh, Justin Williams? I do not have Williams because I think he's going to get a four-year option. That's okay. I, I'm banking on that. There's there's that weird technicality you can get into with service time and various things, and it, there's a little confusion with it. I don't want to get too technical, but I, sure. I'm thinking that. That doesn't mean it's going to happen. And if not, then it really complicates what you're going to do on your bench, potentially. Um, here is Mike Schilt talking about what some swing relievers could be looking like. And we're talking about some of the me- uh, members here that we just mentioned. A guy like Reyes, Cabrera, Gant, who knows? From there, Alex will be given an opportunity to look at the starting up chance. But again, we talked about his innings and how that can be a issue moving forward for, for the season that we anticipate to have uh, for the length of it. You know, John Gant, some more deal, be getting a little more touches, stretched out a little bit. We can build them up and then transition if we, if it ends up being the case uh, to where they go to the bullpen, it's an easier transition to ramp them up later in camp. And you also then build up innings. It's not only the carrot of to the player, hey, stretch out as a starter. And they haven't decided, you know, maybe piggyback or occasional six-man rotate, whatever. But if you're stretched out, that allows you then to go shorter with some of these guys, especially early, and a middle reliever can give you two innings, three innings, whatever the case may be. So I I think that's the approach that a lot of teams are going to take, and it sounds like certainly that's what the Cardinals are going to do. Yeah, it seems to me, based on those words, and sometimes we read too much into these, but I'm going to do exactly that right here. I think Alex Reyes is going to be a reliever for the Cardinals in 2021. And I think it has everything to do with them just wanting to be really careful. I think you could see that. I I think sometimes, Dan, fans hear the word reliever and they're like, oh, this guy's going to throw 50 innings. They're going to pigeonhole him into a specific role. I don't think that's going to be the case for Reyes. I think you could still see him finish the year around 100 innings. And then that sets him up next year. Exactly. To maybe be at 130 to 150. And he gets... A basically a regular major league workload as a starter. Maybe he gets a few days off here and there, but they skip his turn in the rotation, those sorts of things. You can manipulate it. But this year, I think they're going to try to set that. You're basically starting to, to set that foundation for him. So that way you don't have that one-year jump of going from 50 innings to 150 innings because that, for a lot of guys, is a concern. For a guy like Reyes with his background, that that has blinking red light all over it. BK is out at Centene. He'll be with Alex coming up for three hours, and they'll be talking, I'm sure, a lot of blues hockey. We're talking baseball this up. Ted Simmons, the Baseball Hall of Fame. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. It's always great to visit with, and I love being able to say this now, and it's uh, long overdue, Major League Baseball Hall of Famer, Ted Simmons. Ted, great to hear your voice. How you doing? I'm doing great. How about that, man? Uh, well, it's long thing, overdue. That's pretty special. It's been great. I, how, could, how could I have any trouble? <laughs> Everything that could ever happen good to anybody's happened to me. And this Hall of Fame thing looks like it might happen this summer, finally. So um, all good. Everything's wonderful here. A uh, little, little slow um, in getting there, but hopefully it'll happen. When you hear a guy like me intro you as Major League Baseball Hall of Famer, I'm sure you never get sick of it. You may have wondered would it ever happen, but what, what's it like now? You've, you've had a, uh, you know, some time to kind of let it sink in, and, and 
I'm sure you wondered about it for years. What, what's it like now as you reflect on it? Well, it's 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 like getting you know like uh, a credential. You know, it's you walk around your whole life. You you know, you know the, the you know obey all the laws and you do all the things you're supposed to in the world, and, and you know you try and end up you know going and doing the right thing all the time. Um, well, with this, it kind of substantiates everything you've tried to do in your life, and um, you know that's maybe a bit of a stretch because baseball is only a part of one's life and um you know in the real scheme of things is a pretty small part of everything but when you've spent a lifetime like i have in it and um trying to excel in it and uh you know you know looking at the cooperstown thing is is a, is a you know a, a castle on a top of a very very high hill um you're always kind of striving for and hoping happens to you someday when it has, like it has for me, um, you know, it's, it's like getting a, you know, a, a badge or, a, or a credential that says, okay, you're qualified or you're substantial now. And I, I, I guess that's how I relate to it. I, people told me my whole life was going to change. And at my age, my life's not going to change very much <laughs> no matter what happens to it. But, um, I feel like I got my creds now, and um, that's how I kind of look at this and, and kind of wear this and, and how I feel really good about it. Yeah, I, you led me right into my next question. I was going to ask you, how has life changed? I, I talked to Larry Walker a couple weeks ago, and he said, well, life has changed a little bit uh, in the fact that, you know, well, let me rephrase it. He said it changed a lot having – you know, the HOF associated with my name. He said, it hasn't changed because I've been locked down along with everybody. But he said, when we get back to normalcy, he said, uh, it's going to change a lot. He said, the the phone calls, the people that uh, reach out to you, the amount of people that uh, you think about in your career, all those things. I'm sure those are the types of emotions that you've had uh, going through this in, in since that, uh, that great day that you had in your life and finding out about the Hall of Fame. Yeah, well, you think about that. I mean, you think about all the time you spent as a player and as a, you know, as a, a non-player still inside the game. You run across so many, many people, and you have relationships over such a long time. You know, over a, literally a lifetime. And when something like this happens, you begin to hear from them. And since I was elected. Um, you know, those people have surfaced and they've reached out and touched base, and I've been able to interact with those folks. Um, it's changed in that re- respect. Um, and, you know, it's it, it will, as things get back to normal, as uh, Larry suggested, these, these um, people will surface in the flesh once we get back to a normal, you know, interaction of, 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 of life and, and uh, you know, going about. Uh, living our lives, you run across these people again in various places, and then you're reminded, and they're, you know, um, you know, just, you know, outwardly as happy for you as you are for yourself. So um, it'll change that way, and it has changed in that way. You you hear from people you haven't seen. I mean, I I ran to a, a guy back in Detroit where I grew up, who I hadn't seen since the fourth grade, <laughs> and it was just it was just incredible and so he walked in the room i knew it was it was chris caparossi and i said oh man it's you 
And, you know, 50 years is a long time or 60 years is a long time. And, and there they are. And they're just as happy as they can be for you that this happened. They feel as though it, it's it's uh, happened to some extent to them as well. And so that's what makes it wonderful. That is, is such a great story. And I'm, I'm just so happy for you, Ted. I, I know that you follow the Cardinals as closely as you can, whether you're in in baseball or out of baseball now. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But um, I've always felt that you needed to be not only a Cardinal Hall of Famer, but a baseball Hall of Famer. The numbers were there. That was no doubt about it. And you, but the, the thing I remember, we did a, a conversation uh, right before you were looking at uh, the potential of coming up again for the Hall of Fame, and I sensed you were you were not bitter. I, I love that about uh, you. You were never bitter about it. How 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 did you go about that? I was bitter. I was mad that you weren't in the Hall of Fame, and you weren't. Well, you know. Bitterness is a is is you know a waste of one's time and energies. I mean, you know, you can spend the, your entire life angry and bitter at at all sorts of things and and people, um, which you know you you carry around, and pretty soon you've got a, a a very very large sack you're hauling around on your back everywhere you go, and as you approach people with that bitterness or that big bag of whatever you want to call it on your back, people can see that. And they say, what on earth he got on his, on his back? And what on earth's in that bag? And then you walk up to them and say, oh, you really want to know? Well, let me show you. And you open that bag up and all this bitterness just comes flying out. And you want to know something? Those people you've just opened that bag for don't want anything to do with you. And so I learned a long time ago you know, it's tough enough in this world just to be nice to people, good, doing the right thing, and to walk around with bitterness for whatever reason. I mean, people get really, really get tired of seeing it, and maybe you don't notice it, or maybe you don't see it, but they can see you coming with it, and they don't want anything to do with you. Yeah, it's well put. Is it extra special, Ted, that it took this long I know that may sound crazy, but you had to wait and wait and wait, and your family had to wait. It's not just the player. It's your wife and your kids and extended friends and family, and everybody is pulling for you so hard to get in, and it doesn't happen, and then it doesn't happen again, and so on and so forth, and then all of a sudden it does. Did it make it extra special? Well, it makes it extra special to get in however long or short a time it takes, and yeah, getting in is, is, is really, really special stuff. There's no getting around that. I mean, um, you know, you, you hope it happens. And, you know, you go through that process three or four times like I had to. You know, you build your hopes up and you let them all go down. And then you build them up again and they all go back down. It's a roller coaster that, you know, can drive you crazy if, if you let it. Um, so you, you take a kind of an even keel toward it all and hope that someday it happens and then it, it finally does. And then you, you know, it's like a rocket ship just taking off and sending you right to the moon. <laughs> um, so, uh, it's pretty special stuff, however it happens for you or however long it takes. But, you know, I look at the people that I'm going in with and certainly Jeter, you know, what you know, great, great player he was, Mr. Yankee and the captain and all the things that, you know, he was. And then Larry Walker was an incredible player. And 
he was a little like myself. It took him a while to get elected in there and, and recognized and noticed. But he, as a player, was a you know six-tool type who could throw and run and steal a base and homer. He could hit 350. He was just a spectacular player, and people you know, said, well, that's all attributed to the fact that he played in, in uh, Denver. That's baloney. He played forever in Montreal before that ever that's happened. Right. And this guy was a star. I mean, a huge player. So um, going in with those two people is really special. But I have to admit, you know, if there's one great thing that I can look back about having had to wait, I, I can't think of one person that I would have rather gone into the Hall of Fame with than uh, going in with Marvin Miller. He meant so much to me in my lifetime. I was connected with the Players Association all during his tenure. And looking up to him, he was he was a real role model uh, for so many of us, but he certainly was for me. And to had to wait and then go in the Hall of Fame at the same time with Marvin Miller is something that that unites me to him. And I can't think of a more um, important person um, that I could have possibly handpicked to go in with. Why was he so special for you? Well, I came from a, a rat trap of a place uh, in outside Detroit, inside Detroit. And from where I started and where I picked him up and how my la- life started to change. I mean, not just a little bit, but dramatically. Everything that I've essentially been able to accumulate in my life, starting from that little rat trap in Detroit to where I stand and sit here in St. Louis um, in one form or another is directly, absolutely directly attributed, attributable to Marvin Miller in one form or another. So that's how significant he was for me at a time when, as I say, my minimum you know, salary was $7,500 for year one the day I came to play for the Cardinals. $7,500 for the whole season. And he moved it from there to 1400 in about 12 months. And I said to my wife, after that raise came as a minimum salary from 7500 to ten to fourteen five, we can buy a car. <laughs> and we did. <laughs> okay, and we did, and from there we eventually bought a house, and so on and so forth, and it all kept coinciding with this guy, who kept changing the rules, and every time he did, it benefited me and every other major league player um, that had ever seen a light of day in a major league uniform sure. from that time forward. Absolutely. Uh, a couple more questions. I'm going to let you go. The great Ted Simmons, Hall of Famer, my guest. Um, I'm sure you've thought about the speech. You don't want to leave anybody out. You want to make an impact with it. Uh, what What are you thinking about with your speech coming up? Well, what you have to think about first and foremost is the length. Yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. sure you, that, you know, no matter how many people there are in your life that you'd like to mention, you have to have you know a you know a governor here a moderator and not everybody gets to come but um in an effort for the sake of time um you you really have to you know be sensible about this because you know there can only stand you know you know 
seven, eight, nine, ten minutes at a time, and they're looking for somebody else. Now, that's not to diminish, you know, my speech. It's just to say, I don't care who you are. When you hit that seven, eight, nine, ten minute mark, you better be closer mm-hmm. because you're going to start losing people fast. So, um, with that in mind, you you tell a story and you basically place it in a chronology, and that story and that chronology shouldn't take you more than five or ten minutes. And that's pretty much how I see, you know, mine evolving. And, um, you know, I'm comfortable with, with what is, I have to say and, and what I'll end up saying. And as I say, it should be within those time limits. You are 17, and baseball has been a part of your life. And uh, this year, you're not affiliated with baseball in terms of being with a major league team. What, what is that like for you, just kind of having time on your hands to, to enjoy life? What's it, what's it like for Ted Simmons? Yeah, well, I, you know, officially retired on the 31st of December um, from the Atlanta Braves. And uh, for the first time since I was 17 years old, I'm not going to spring training or dying to get there. Um, what it's been like is essentially what it's been like for everybody with the, you know, the virus and everyone, everything and everyone being shut down. Um, you know, you're essentially isolated from just about everything and certainly, you know, um, it's for me difficult like it is for everyone. I haven't seen my grandkids. I haven't seen my sons, you know, uh, your family, my sister, my brother, you're isolated from all these people with the exception of, you know, the, the phone or, you know, Skype or, or that sort of, you know, remote stuff, but that's not the same. And, and people, you know, since this uh, pandemic know what I'm talking about because they're living it every day, just like I am. Um, but it's it's in terms of my retirement from the baseball business, it's almost like a oh, like a warm up. You know, you have all this free time. You say, well, geez, I'm, you know, God, well, I do. You know, I got a thousand things I want to do. I just can't do them right now. Sure. People are saying, well, you're going to retire and you don't have anything to do. I say, well, you got that wrong. I, <laughs> I got all that sorted out and dying to do the things I want to do. I just can't do them like anybody else. And is is set up to do right now can't get on an airplane you can't go to your favorite restaurant you, you know you can't go in a crowd of people you know safely and you know it's 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 like i say it's almost been like a a preamble for my retirement yeah get used to this for a while and nothing can be worse than this right you know nothing can be for everybody so i'm not having trouble with my retirement i'm not gonna have any trouble with that at all i have a lot of things i want to do Hey, Ted, uh, so happy for you to head into the Hall of Fame. I know the Cardinal fans are just so excited. It's long overdue and can't wait to see you in Cooperstown. And thanks for doing this as always. You got it, Dan. Anytime, man. I appreciate it a lot. Thanks. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Great feedback on the text line with the interview with uh, Ted Simmons. Simba is great. I'm 56. Remember him playing when I was a kid, hearing his outlook on life, carrying that bag of garbage is bad. The world should hear what he has to say. Uh, This from the 217, Ted Simmons, awesome person. Loved hearing from him. Great to hear from Ted Simmons. Congratulations. Long overdue. Headed to Major League Baseball's Hall of Fame. We go back out to the EMB Granite uh, desk and Centene. That's where BK is standing by. Let's cross it over. You got Alex stepping in with you. So we got a lot of hockey talk, I'm sure, coming up. 
Yeah, of course, Dan. Big game last night. Big win for the Blues last night. We'll get into that, how it happened, and how this has become a theme, talking about the comebacks for the Blues. We'll get into that coming up at 11 o'clock. At 11.30, Matt Larkin, who recently wrote about Vince Dunn and the possibility of a trade. want to ask him if there's anything that has maybe changed there, given all of the injury concerns for the Blues. And at noon, we are going to talk to Hunter Pence, former Giants outfielder. Want to get his perspective on Nolan Arenado. They have certainly seen each other plenty over the last decade or so. So we will talk with Hunter Pence coming up at 12 o'clock. He's got great perspective, too, on the Cardinals and the rivalries that he was a part of. You know, you forget he, he was part of Houston. He was a part of the Phillies when they were really good. Mm-hmm. Saw the Cardinals in the postseason and then the Giants. And he made that friggin' speech. And all of a sudden, after that speech, they got riled up and they beat the Cardinals. Cardinals were up three games to one. So looking forward to hearing from Hunter Pence. He's an interesting guy. He is. And he's a really bright guy as well. So I'm interested to hear his thoughts. He is officially retired from baseball now. Yeah. I want to hear what it what he thinks it's going to be like for these guys going through uh, what is going to be another strange season, although a, a normal schedule different in terms of what it looks like before the games what the protocols are so i want to get his thoughts on that as well all right looking forward to it it's alex it's bk they're coming up next tanner is always phenomenal job this week and we'll talk to everybody at 10 on 101 espn on monday so have a great weekend everybody you've been listening to the danny mac show with bk the podcast powered by i promise peloton let's go this holiday with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.